Gucci to the it's Wednesday the 7th of April. Welcome to our afternoon sport deep dive. I'm Tim Gilbert and I'm joined by Shane Lee, who is a bachelor at the moment. Oh, well, hardly, mate, but uh, no, Lorraine and the kids are gone to Melbourne to see the in-laws, mate, for a week. So, mate, someone's got to keep the lights on. So I'm back here work, work, You'll working, working, working. You'll just clean? Were you just going to clean? <laughs> just going to clean. We've got the cleaner coming in tomorrow, mate. So, uh, and, 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 and the day before she gets home too. So we'll make sure the bar's clean downstairs. It will be Uber <laughs> Eats at 10 paces at Shane Lee's place. Oh, I love it. All right. And of course, we're also excited. We're not far away from giving away the doggies ball from Spartan. All you need to do is follow us on Afternoon Sport Twitter or our Afternoon Sport Facebook page and we will pick a lucky winner. Coming up today, we have John Stephenson. So much boxing, so much motorsport and our editor at large, Rob Gilbert, casts his eye over the world game as well as the AFL. Boy, there's been some cracking games. Shane, what about this ball by Mitchell Sweps? And uh, they're not saying it's Shane Warren's ball of the century, but boy, oh boy, it turned. Definitely turned, but he, he did drag the ball down. It was a pretty uh, uh, Hughes. Is, he's a good batsman, Dan, Daniel Hughes, but um, yeah, it did turn a bit. But look, it, I don't think you can compare it against Warney's uh, ball of the century. But yeah, definitely turned. But I think it was poorly played too. But um, yeah, they're playing down in Wollongong, mate, my old uh, stomping ground. So it's uh, interesting times and a little bit of rain affecting the match at the moment. It's a bit off-Broadway, isn't it? I think to Sheffield Shield, yeah. when you guys had that cracking team and you won premierships and, and we're getting back pages of the paper. Yeah, I, I agree, mate. I'm, I'm not sure about taking the, the, the game to the people. I think um, th- there was a lot of history and... Um, I suppose there's a, there's a lot of uh, expectations to play on these big grounds, and I think the players really enjoy that. And yes, let's play the occasional game in the regional areas, but um, uh, let's stick to the the grounds where people play the most and enjoy that. And I think um, yeah, it's off the beat off the beaten track this one, and um, and the, the wicket definitely plays a a role in that. So uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes in the future. But yeah, I'm not a big fan about going to too many country areas and playing the game of cricket. Let's let's play them in the main main areas. Yeah, a bit challenged by uh, the time of year, I suppose. But um, anyway, and Sam Walker, the Roosters. I went to this game, took Joey Gilbert, and uh, we sat up in the member stand. As you know, he's a massive Roosters fan, and this kid can play. He can play. And um, from the Bears feeder club, um, Sam Walker, 18 years of age. And what I liked about him, mate, he took some massive hits during that game and still maintained his composure. He is a, he is a star of the future, and... Um, couldn't be better timing for the Roosters too with a number of injuries and um, I think you'll see this guy potentially wearing a State of Origin jersey in the future as well if not an Australian jersey. Yeah well his dad was a first grade player of course mm. and uh, coaching up there in Ipswich the Walker brothers are all pretty famous so uh, we'll watch that space with interest but there's a, a number of superstars that have been on display in the AFL. We will talk that plus the world game next with our editor at large Rob Gilbert. AFL, just loving it. And I really enjoyed that Easter Monday clash, Rob Gilbert. Uh, what an Easter round of footy we had. 
Yeah, it was a ripping round, Timmy. G'day, Shane. Yeah, referring to the uh, the Geelong Hawthorne match on Monday, which yeah. uh, was an absolute cracker. Hawthorne took them all the way, but uh, just couldn't knock off the cats. But look, it started off on Thursday night. Uh, I was there at Marvel Stadium. So this was the rescheduled match where mm. uh, Brisbane were meant to host Collingwood at the Gabba, but because of the the brief COVID outbreak up there, they they moved it uh, to uh, the Docklands, and, and Collingwood led the entire game, the entire game. And can you just imagine my telephone went off the charts <laughs> with the Carlton fans, the fans of every other club in Melbourne and Australia just uh, saying, hey, we're watching that one pretty closely. But uh, it, was, it was a ripping round of, uh, of AFL footy. Uh, look, I, I think the, um, the, the real question, though, is uh, are we seeing a genuine ladder at this stage of the season? Did, you, did any of you guys watch any of the games over the weekend? Yeah, yeah. Sure did, mate. And if you think your phone's ringing off the hook, imagine if you're a North Melbourne supporter, like 167 Western Bulldogs versus 39. Come on. That's a thrashing. Yeah, it was embarrassing. So so to talk to that point of, of the ladder, I think that is one genuine position mm. on the ladder that we're talking about. A percentage of 37.4. They were absolutely annihilated, North Melbourne, and uh, they don't look like they're going to improve. I mean, Brad Scott's coaching record, he spent nine years at uh, the Kangaroos and was pretty much marched out of the joint by the new mm. regime a few years ago, but that record's looking better and better. So they um, played the Bulldogs, obviously, who, uh, who just destroyed them, and the Dogs are on top of the ladder. So I think it's fair to say that that uh, ladder position of, of each of those clubs is a fair one. The Giants, though, I mean, Leon Cameron must be pulling his hair out. Uh, yeah. You know, they made the grand final a couple of years ago. They didn't turn up. They were embarrassed on the big stage, and they just haven't been able to get a tune. He hasn't been able to get a tune out of that side ever since. So there's one thing for sure. I don't think the AFL um, poured all that money into the Giants to to have them sitting last on the ladder. So if, mm-hmm. if, he, if he doesn't get it sorted there pretty soon, then uh, he his uh, uh, tenure at uh, uh, the, the Giants is, is going to be uh, in a lot of doubt. But at the other end, the Swans, I mean, without oh, Buddy, yeah. how about that? I mean, he's, he's oh. kicked four goals the week before, going to come back after 500 days off, and uh, you've got the Bulldogs, Sydney, and, and Melbourne on top of the ladder undefeated. The, the, the Swans, and I, I, I'm, I'm a big Swan supporter, but um, you know, guys like Tom Hickey, the Ruckman, like, and just he won every every ball from the, the centre bounce, and then you know he snuck away for getting two goals. You got guys like Sam Wicks who came of age. You got Errol Goulden once again, and and Logan McDonald performing unbelievably well. And then you throw in this young guy Chad Warner who did like twenty disposals and two goals. There's plenty to talk about. And let's not forget Papley either, mate, with four goals. It was unbelievable to watch. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, John Longmire is a premiership coach. Uh, mm. You know, he took a – I mean, he was really on a hiding to nothing after taking over from Paul Roos, who, who broke that drought. And, uh, you know, the, the um, that's probably one of the advantages of, of Sydney in that uh, the Swans don't get the kind of pressure that an NRL coach gets in Sydney and Brisbane or uh, an AFL coach gets in, in the AFL states. So he was able to to do some rebuilding, work through those academy players, many of those players you mentioned, and um, and Buddy Franklin was able to, uh, to recuperate and rehab and recover. Cover. So, you know, the um, the Swans are just amazing. And again, mm. to touch on that point of, uh, of legitimacy of the latter, uh, all of the uh, the good AFL pundits that uh, that I listen to and read uh, in Melbourne are saying that um, the Swans are a, a genuine contender this year. So, you know, mm. when, when that, that, a lot of t- teams, as, as you hear in the analysis, have been able to take on Richmond for two or three quarters, uh, but to put them away the way that they did um, and to, to do it in, in such a convincing style – without Buddy back in form, then, uh, you know, that says to you that, um, that they, they are legit. 
All right, the Premier League returned this weekend for the run home. Yeah, it did. So there's just eight rounds to go. So effectively, Manchester City have got this sewn up, not mathematically just yet, but uh, the real battle is at the top of the ladder, uh, just under City with the, the teams that are vying for uh, positions in Europe. So you'd say that Manchester United under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer have got a, a spot there um, with uh, a fair buffer from second spot to Chelsea sitting in in uh, in fifth. But uh, West Ham's the big story. So David Moyes, he uh, you know he coached Everton for many years um, without uh, you know great success, but he kept them up and competitive. And then when Sir Alex Ferguson left, he was the man who was given the uh, the, the job of taking over there it didn't work out he did his time in Europe um, it's uh, you know in uh, you know sort of lesser light clubs and and returned to to West Ham and uh, you know the the Hammers fans are absolutely jumping from the rooftops I mean it's just such a sad thing though that they're unable to go there to watch them play so they're in fourth spot uh, uh, just behind Leicester City but the other clubs uh, you know Chelsea um, they uh, had a really bad result a, a red card in the first half and got beaten by the bottom of the ladder was you know a relegation bound uh, uh, West Brom and uh, Spurs again had a chance to uh, to lock up top a four spot, but Liverpool starting to slowly turn it around. Uh, smashed Arsenal on the weekend, Everton and Aston Villa. Everton didn't take their chance over the weekend, so they're the teams that are mm. looking at that uh, top four spot. Sheffield United definitely going down. West Brom, as I mentioned, uh, you know that was an unexpected result, but it's really you know whether Newcastle can just sit above Fulham in the uh, the final stages. Uh, Steve Bruce, the, the manager at Newcastle. Castle is under all sorts of pressure to keep them up, but uh, he probably will do it, I would have thought, the way that they played over the weekend. Well, let's go to the women's game, and and Chelsea had a great result, and um, Sam Kerr, a hat-trick in the first half. Yeah, just amazing, Sam Kerr. That hot streak of hers is just uh, continuing. So, uh, you know, what a week she's got. So she's got 23 goals in all competitions uh, um, after uh, scoring... A hat trick for for, for yeah. her side against Birmingham City on the weekend. Uh, they dispatched Wolfsburg in the Champions League, and uh, and she's uh, got a captain the Matildas um, this Sunday morning against Germany. So you know, Sam. Uh, uh, a lot of the um, the pundits, when she first arrived in the Women's Super League, uh, you know, the equivalent of the English Premier League uh, in the women's game in, in the UK, uh, started to talk uh, as if she wasn't all that she was cracked up to be because she took a, a few rounds to find her feet. But, you know, fast forward uh, three months and she's uh, the, the world beater. You know, she's got Chelsea on top of the ladder over Manchester City. Uh, they, they're on track to... Uh, Play in the final of the Champions League and uh, and playing Germany in the Netherlands as they lead into the Olympics. Uh, it's just a, a great story for for Sam Kerr as the leader of a lot of women um, yeah. in Australia. And um, we've got the W League Grand Final on this weekend. Sydney uh, FC hosting Melbourne Victory and mm. uh, Lisa Devanna, the um, experts uh, who watch the game closely tell me that she's not out of the the, the reckoning for, for the Olympic side under the, the new coach, Tony Gustafsson, if she can keep herself fit. So that's a game to watch on Sunday afternoon as well. Look forward to it, Rob Samker. What an absolute genius. We'll talk to you soon, Rob. See you, buddy. Coming up on Afternoon Sport, yeah, he's, he's one crazy cat, but we love him and he loves his sport and he was a former great runner, John Stephenson, just around the corner. Play Sport is calling Game On for a new way to play, a free platform to explore and be inspired to connect to thousands of sport, rec and well-being activities in your community. Just go to playsport.com. Play Sport, whatever moves you. 
All right, we only get this chance to do it two times a week, so let's do it and let's have some fun as we do it. John Stephenson, how are you, my dear old thing? Hey, brother Tim, what's going on? I hope you had a nice Easter, you guys, both you and Shane. A lot of Easter eggs. Well, not too many Easter eggs. We had a lovely time, but mate, listen, now, talk about this person, Lyndon Hall. Now, I I must admit, I had to Google Lyndon Hall um, before this conversation. It came up an, an attraction you must see in the Southern Highlands, but I reckon Google's Google's recalibrating itself <laughs> right now because it's the first female Australian runner to run 1,500 metres under four minutes. Unbelievable. Achievement. Under four minutes, and she also ran under two minutes for the 800 the week before. Wow. Um, phenomenal. She, um, a byproduct of the college, college system out, out in the U.S., um, yep. Has made Australian teams in the past, made Doi, and, and just an all-round lovely, lovely girl. Um, she's hit her straps right at the right time, right before Olympic Games. So these are world-class times. You know, unfortunately, over time, there's been a lot of Eastern European, I shouldn't say this, but let's be honest, that have been under the influence of drugs that have run a lot mm. quicker. Um, Carsten Semenya, who, who has run a lot quicker as well. But if you put it in comparison for a medal, she's she's on the podium with these times. It's amazing. So um, especially to do it at home and a lot of the races she was doing it on her own um, is is quite remarkable. And to do it back-to-back in two different disciplines, I mean, 800 is, is a lot more of a sprint than what the 1500 sure. is. But this is what I like about this is it proves the old Sebastian Coe theory. You know, his father made him run a fast 200 before he ran a four. Ran a fast 400 before he ran an 800, ran a fast 800 before he ran a 1500. And we all know Sebastian Coe is one of the greatest distance runners to ever do it. So um, I really like this progression that Lyndon's doing. I think if you're not familiar with athletics, to be able to go from eight to 15 in, in split weeks, I can see how she was able to carry that speed over, but it's still it was still an amazing achievement for her to do so. Yeah, well, she may have an athletics track named after him, Barrel, sometime <laughs> soon. So at my, Wikipedia may be right again sometime down the track. But what about Tim Zhu? This guy might have something named after him. Boy, yes. oh boy, he's good. Isn't confidence a wonderful thing? And Shane, you've played cricket. You understand, Tim. You know when you play on the golf course um, – and how, you know, when you're confident, you can't do no wrong, right, on the course. Mm. You, you know, every, every ball is a flusher and you're and you, and you feeling like you're, you're Greg Norman in his heyday. You know, uh, I see Tim, he's, he's right in the zone at the moment, which is, which is uh, it's nice to watch, right? It's even better to watch to know that he's, that he's Costa Zoo's son that's doing so. He absolutely annihilated his opponent on the weekend. And this really put him in a title contention against Brian Costano. The problem with this now is, Brian wants to unify all the belts against Jamal Charlo, which is obviously going to slow the progression that Tim can actually fight for this world title. But a fight that I'd love to see is him versus Michael Zarafa. I would, I think that is an Australian fight that would absolutely be a blockbuster. It would absolutely be something sensational to watch. But will it happen? It's boxing, right? You, it's hard <laughs> to tell, you know? Like it, it's, it's one of those things. But before we stop off boxing... I want to give a special mention out to Paul Fleming, who I thought was the fight of the night. He fought an undercard, obviously, on the, cost, on the Tim Zoo's fight, fight night. And he, I hadn't seen this Paul Fleming. I went to Olympic Games with him in 08. Um, he came out, he's, he famously now comes out to really cool Aboriginal dances. As that's sort of like his ring walk. And he just absolutely annihilated a, 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 a top opponent who, who just recently beat Luke Jackson in his last fight. Luke Jackson fought for world title in Belfast against Carl Frampton, who retired on the weekend. Um, wow, every punch to the power punch. His work rate was insane. And he, and he fractured his hand, I think, in the third or fourth round and then started peppering the guy with his right hand. It was it was, it was was unbelievable display to watch. And his post-fight interview was just the best. He, I, I don't want to do a hatch job on his, on his quote, but he basically said, I'm going to go to the Easter show and spend all my purse. So if you want to feed the shouts on me, it was just beautiful to watch. I just thought, a bit of character. And he's like, 
absolutely phenomenal southpaw fighter. And I, I really think he's in, in great contention for world title fight. Fantastic, mate. Now, listen, let's pop over to racing now and, and the Bathurst six-hour. Uh, Shane Van Ginsbergen again. Everything he touches is turning to gold. He's got the Midas touch, Shane, yes. So yeah. the, the six-hour, was, was, which is a, quite a famous um, – it's becoming a really famous touring car race now, you know, for mm. just for production cars um, in Australia. And um, pretty much you can – you know, get a production car, put a roll cage in it, put some suspension, some slick tires, and you're pretty much racing. Shane hops in this car, absolutely wheels the hell out of it, and puts it again on top of the podium. Just, you know, again, still mending, you know, uh, a fractured collarbone and and broken and so a few broken ribs. So um, the guy, everything he touches turns to gold. He, he's Shane the Messiah show, yeah. at the moment. Yep. Yeah, he is the Shane show at the moment, um, and it's great to watch. How are you, John? How are you? I, you know, I, I am, you know, I'm coming off the, off the Easter, uh, mm. Easter high. I'm out here just projecting nothing but good vibrations in the world, Tim. That's good, 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 good vibration. Got back. Good. Oh well, why don't we leave it there? Yeah. We'll get Dan McCuter to to cue some beautiful music because he is just the magician when it comes to podcasts, and we'll leave it there with you. Beautiful guys, hey, great to chat to you. Speak Take soon. care, mate. That's it for Afternoon Sport today. We'll be with you Monday to Friday every week. Hit subscribe on your podcast app so you don't miss a thing. A big thank you today to John Stephenson and to Rob Gilbert. Thank you also to our wonderful sponsor, Shane. We wouldn't be here without them. No, we wouldn't, mate. Spartan Sports, www.spartansportshq.com. And, of course, thank you, Dan McHugh. We'll see you tomorrow. We'll see you then, guys. Take care.